Good morning. Good to see you this morning. Glad that you are here. Glad that you are here as well. Um, it was really nice to spend some time in a Bible class this morning. And uh, thanks to a lot of you online for joining us. Thanks for Daryl for making that happen. Um, I thought it went great. I'm kind of learning on the fly a little bit. But uh, uh, take advantage of that next week, 9 o'clock, here in person or there online. Uh, so yeah. And I want to welcome you to installment number seven <clears throat> in our journey through <clears throat> excuse me, the book of Philippians. Uh, for the past six weeks, we have kind of been pulling out some nuggets uh, that Paul has shared with the Christians there in Philippi. I keep telling you, we are not going verse by verse, and we have not, nor will we, exhaust all the great information that's in this little book, but I hope that we are encouraging each other, and I hope we're being challenged looking at some of the things that Paul shares in the book of Philippians. And we're calling this series, What Cannot Be Quarantined? And of course, that's a little bit of a nod to the culture and the conditions that we're living in right now. Uh, so much is different. So much is being confined a little bit. But there's some things about God's word and God's truth that really can't be defined. And you probably won't remember this. Can't be confined, not defined. You probably won't remember this, but when I started this series, I shared with you a bunch of memes about the year 2020. I want to share one more with you. Uh, finally woke up from my coma after six months. How's the year been so far? Hmm. Yeah, about that. You know, what if that scenario were actually true? What if someone did just wake up from a coma? What if someone did, you know, like walk out of a cave that they'd been living in or rescued from a, you know, deserted desert island and they asked you, how's the year been? What would you tell them? Yeah, I, I don't know that anybody in the world wouldn't say something like, it's been kind of terrible. <laughs> it's been tough, hard. It's, you go back to sleep, Yeah. <laughs> Give yourself another six months. Yeah. You know, it's been frustrating. It's been painful. Fill in the blank. It's just been a tough year. I don't know that anyone would say, 2020, oh, it's been wonderful. You know, I kind of hope that every year is like this year. You know, I've just had so much fun in the year 2020. I've experienced so much joy in the year 2020. I don't know anybody that would say that with the exception of maybe the Apostle Paul, if he were here today. Because Paul was a guy who was able to look at life's circumstances through a very different lens. And I want to remind you of Paul's circumstances when he sits down to write this book that we know as Philippians. He was just writing a letter. He was just sending a message to people that he loved and cared about. But if you remember, it's about A.D. 62... Uh, he is not where he wants to be. He's in prison. He's in a bad place, probably dark and dank and musty. Um, has a guard watching him all the time. He might very well have a guard chained to him at the time. Very little food when he got it, and it was terrible. His health is failing. 
And the guard looks over Paul's shoulder as he sits to write this letter, and he sees Paul write something that would probably surprise the guard. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. What is Paul doing writing those words in AD 62, sitting in a prison? Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. You know, there are some sections of Scripture, there are some verses that are very nuanced, very deep. They take a lot of time of study, kind of, kind of difficult to understand what, you know, what we really need to pull out of there. This is not one of those verses. This is a really straightforward verse. This is a really simple verse to read and to understand. But when you scratch just a little bit beneath the surface, there are a pile of questions that come up with uh, Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. I mean, come on. Is that even possible? I mean, am I supposed to go around with a perpetual smile on my face all the time? Is it a sin to get sad? Is it a sin to, to be depressed? You know, for a lot of people reading that verse, rejoice in the Lord always, I'll say it again, rejoice. It's not encouraging. In fact, that verse for a lot of people is a little bit depressing. Because I read a verse like that and I think, okay, I'm supposed to rejoice in the Lord always, but I don't feel like rejoicing. I can't do that. And I just get depressed because I'm failing. And not only is it a little bit depressing, sometimes a verse like that, including that verse, it's a little bit confusing. Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Now, you don't know this, probably. Some of you might. The shortest verse in the Greek Bible is 1 Thessalonians 5.16, where Paul writes, rejoice always. Letter-wise, in Greek, that's the shortest verse in the Bible. Rejoice always. He tells the Thessalonians the same thing he tells the Philippians. You do probably know the shortest verse in the English Bible is John eleven thirty five. Jesus wept. Just heard it over here. So, rejoice always. Jesus wept. Wait, what? Rejoice always. Jesus wept. Jesus wept at the tomb of his good friend Lazarus. But I'm supposed to rejoice in the Lord always. The Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus was in agony. Sweat drops like blood. But I'm supposed to rejoice always. Paul tells us in Galatians, we're going to mourn with those who mourn. We're going to weep with those who weep. But then he tells me to rejoice in the Lord always. Uh, David would write in Psalm 34, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He binds up those who are crushed in spirit. But I'm supposed to rejoice in the Lord always. And I can give you example after example after example of men and women in Scripture who loved God. But they were heartbroken. And they were sad. And they were mad. And some, I think, were probably clinically depressed. So, What's the deal with Paul telling us, rejoice in the Lord always? I'll say it again, rejoice. Why does he give us that uh, a commandment 
that seems to contradict so many other examples in Scripture? Well, a couple reasons. One, he knows we need it. He knows we need to hear this. And two, it absolutely does not contradict other uh, examples in Scripture. Uh, Don't overlook a very important component of Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Paul is not saying, grace guys are going to clear up Put on a happy face. That's not what he's saying. He's not saying, hey, just just put on a happy face. And I'm glad he's not saying that. Because I can't put on a happy face sometimes. And I'm, I'm a pretty happy guy, right? But sometimes I really don't feel like just putting on a happy face. Paul is saying, rejoice in the Lord. And what Paul is telling us is so countercultural, so counterintuitive, so difficult, so impossible that it can't be done without the power of the Holy Spirit. I can't will myself to just be happy, be joyful, rejoice. You know those, uh, those fruits of the Spirit that we talk so much about in Galatians 5. All those things are what the Holy Spirit is leading us toward and guiding us into. And that certainly is true of joy. It's number two on the list, by the way. Love, joy, peace. Now, the joy that Paul is talking about in Galatians and in Philippians, it is a supernatural joy. It doesn't come by me just willing myself. Because... If we're honest with ourselves, I'm going to guess, I bet everybody in this room has already complained today. I bet if you're watching, I'm going to guess you've already complained today. It's only 1025. (laughs) I've already complained today. I woke up and I complained about my dog. I got a great dog. Maybe you complained about, uh, you know, your spouse or your kids or your parents. Maybe you complained about wearing a mask, socially distancing. Maybe you've already complained about the songs that we've sung. You're going to complain about the sermon you're hearing. You know, it seems like we have the spiritual gift of whining, not joy. So the question is, in a situation far worse than we probably will ever experience, Paul is sitting, failing health, sitting in prison, not where he wants to be. When Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always, I say it again, rejoice. Was he telling us just to fake it? Is Paul telling us something that really can't be done? Or is he talking about genuine joy? And I guess the question is, how can he find joy when all I can do is complain. Now, I keep telling you, if you want to read about joy in the Bible, Philippians is the book. Philippians talks more about joy than any other book in the Bible. But here's what we all know about joy. For most people, it is a very elusive thing. Because for most people, our joy meter sort of rises and falls 
with what's going on in our lives. What's going on around us. And I would suggest to you, and it's going to sound like a contradiction, but it's not. Hear me out. I'm going to suggest to you that uh, joy is a decision that we make every single day when we wake up. Now, I just said, well, I can't just will myself to be joyful. But I can make the choice to rejoice. And here's where I want you to listen to me graciously and fully. I'm not saying I'm just going to make the choice. I'm going to be joyful today. I wasn't joyful yesterday, but I'm going to be joyful today. And I'm going to hope that my dog doesn't bother me, and I'm going to hope that my kids don't uh, aggravate me, and I'm going to hope me and my wife get along great. I'm just going to, but I'm going to make the choice to be joyful. And I already told you, I have a hard time making that choice. But here's what I think Paul is alluding to. I can make the choice to allow the Holy Spirit to lead me today. I can make the choice to be led by the Spirit. No, Paul would write in Galatians 5, 26, just shortly after those verses about the fruits of the Spirit, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Yeah, joy is a decision we can make every single morning because trying to stay in step with the Spirit, submitting humbly to the guiding of the Holy Spirit, that's a decision that I can make every morning. I, I can't force myself to rejoice, but I can allow the Holy Spirit to lead me into a, a mindset and an attitude that I would just never arrive at on my own. I don't think we can experience the joy that Paul is talking about without the help of the Holy Spirit. That's why Paul, I think, says, rejoice in the Lord. Uh, Got to make the choice to rejoice. The choice to be led by the Spirit. I suspect that most of you, or at least a lot of you, will recognize the name Johnny Erickson Tata. Uh, she is a best-selling author, uh, written several best-selling books, motivational speaker. She um, has her own uh, radio show. She has done uh, just a world of good helping uh, uh, people with disabilities. Um, she had a movie made about her life. I think she's in her 70s now. But when she was 17, she dove into the Chesapeake Bay and she misjudged the depth. She fractured her neck, left her a paraplegic. And uh, in one of her books, this is what she wrote. Honesty is always the best policy, especially when you're surrounded by a group of women in a public restroom during a break in a motivational speaker's conference. One woman putting on her lipstick said, Oh, Johnny... You always look so together, so happy in your wheelchair. I wish I had your joy. Several women nodded in agreement. How do you do it, she asked me as she capped her lipstick. I don't do it, I said. In fact, can I honestly tell you how I start every morning, including today? Here is my average day. After my husband Ken leaves for work at 5.30 in the morning, I'm all alone until I hear the front door open at 7 o'clock in the morning when a woman arrives to get me up and out of bed. And while I listen to her make coffee in the kitchen, I pray. I pray, Lord, that woman will soon come in here and she'll give me a bath. She'll get me dressed. She'll sit me in a chair. She'll comb my hair. She'll brush my teeth. And then she'll wheel me out to see the day. I don't have the strength to face this routine one more time. I have no more resources. 
I don't have a smile to take into the day, Lord, but you do. You have a smile. May I have your smile, God? I need it desperately. And one of the ladies asked, so what happens when the woman comes through the bedroom door? I turn my head to her, and I give her a smile sent straight from heaven. It's not my smile. It's God's smile. So whatever joy you see in my life this afternoon, it was hard won this morning. Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. But you don't need a preacher to tell you that is a lot easier said than done. If it were easy, everyone would do it. But also, as Christians, we have some things working for us that, that others don't have. Let me share with you a couple strategies real quickly, just some, some simple things that, that might help us to, to make the choice to rejoice. And the first is this. We need to keep an eternal perspective. We need to think big picture. And when I say big picture, I mean really big picture. Now, we started here in Philippians 4, 4, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. The very next thought that Paul writes in verse 5, Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. And when life gets hard, when the year gets long, when your faith gets challenged, when your health isn't what you want it to be, think big picture. Think eternally. A chapter earlier, Paul would tell the Philippians this, and by the way, it's it's my one and only political statement in this election season and transition. He says, we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives and we are eagerly awaiting waiting for him to return as our savior you know the truth is as Christians we should be the most joyful people on the planet shouldn't we no Jesus said in John 10 10 I came that they might have life and have it to the full Maybe you're used to a translation that says, I can they might have life and have it abundantly. Christians should laugh harder, smile bigger, love longer than anyone else in the world. For us as Christians, you know, our, our past has been forgiven. It's in the trash can. Our present is being redeemed and renewed. It's, it's in the recycler. Our future is secure. And promised. That should give us this inordinate amount of joy that the rest of the world has a hard time understanding. Now I said we, we make the choice to rejoice. Uh, most of you can quote Psalm 118, 24. It's one of my mom's favorite verses. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice, rejoice and be glad in it. The psalmist didn't say, yesterday was a day the Lord has made. That was a good day. Let's focus on yesterday. And he doesn't say, tomorrow is a day the Lord will make. Let's just hope things are better tomorrow. No. He says, today. Today is a gift from God. We're here. (laughs) You're there. But we're together, right? Today. It's a gift from God. This is the day. This is the gift. This is the time. Let's rejoice. Let's be glad in that. We need to keep an eternal perspective. 
Second way to be more joyful. Express thanks. And stop worrying. <laughs> I told you. These are easier said than done. You know, Thanksgiving is right around the corner. And I think there is a direct correlation between people who are joyful and people who are thankful. I think if you find someone who's really joyful, you're going to find a person who's very thankful. And if you find someone who that person is just thankful, I guarantee they're going to be joyful. And I say that because Paul says that. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Take your problems, take your worries to God in prayer. You know, somehow we've got to get uh, out of this, man, everybody's against me, woe is me mentality. You know, people who are just kind of stuck in that, woe is me, kind of the Eeyore of the office. You know, it's easy to slip into sometimes, isn't it? You know, the boss is out to get me. He's always out to get me. Everybody, you know, was out to get me. Everybody was speeding. I was the only one that got pulled over, which is true, by the way. Um, you know, my life isn't fair. Things aren't fair. You know, people that just have a problem for every solution. David wrote in Psalm 19, The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. You know, we all know people who just brighten a room by walking out. You know, you thought I was going to say when they walk in, right? I know people like that too. I know people who brighten up a room when they walk in. But I also know people who, the room kind of gets happier and brighter and more joyful when they leave. But you know what? I don't want to be that guy. I don't think God created me to be that guy. I'm going to express thanks to God. I'm going to stop worrying so much. Which leads me to my third strategy for more joy. Dwell on the positives, not the negatives. We need to dwell on things that are positive, not the negative. But there's so much negative in the world. There's so much negative in the year. Yeah, okay. Can I give you a positive to dwell on? It's going to take care of all the negatives you can come up with. We win. There you go. Drop the mic. We win. We win because Jesus has already won. And if I belong to Jesus... That means I win too. Because he's already conquered death. And he's already king. And one day he's going to come back. And he's going to take me with him. Focus on that. You know, Psalm 51, restore unto me the joy of salvation. We've been saved. You want some positives? We've been saved. Amen. Thank you. We've been forgiven. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Our promise is heaven. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Think of all the great things we have to focus on. My joy is in the Lord because I'm in Christ. Our joy is in the Lord because we're in Christ.
Ephesians chapter 1. What a great passage. How we praise God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we belong to Christ. Long ago, even before He made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in His eyes. His unchanging plan has always been to adopt us into His own family by bringing us to Himself through Jesus Christ. And this gave Him great pleasure. We have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ. We have been claimed by God. We have been adopted by God. That should be reason for joy. We're saved. Remember back in Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas are in prison, and uh, they're actually singing songs. They're pretty joyful in prison. And there was an earthquake, and the chains were loosed, and the doors were opened, and a jailer was there, and he thought all the... Uh, 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 all the prisoners were going to escape so he draws a sword and he's about to kill himself and Paul says wait don't kill yourself we're all here and he calls for a light and sure enough Paul is telling the truth and that jailer takes Paul and Silas to his home he washes their wounds Paul and Silas share Jesus with him he's baptized into Christ he rejoices in his salvation do you know you remember what we call that jailer we call him the Philippian jailer. Anybody want to guess why we call him the Philippian jailer? He was a jailer living in Philippi. That's right. Let's connect a few dots here. There's a real good chance that guy was one of the first people to read or to hear this letter that Paul wrote back to those brothers and sisters in Philippi. And that guy would have known what Paul was talking about. Because he'd be able to remember a time when he went from being suicidal to rejoicing in his salvation. Focus on the positives, not the negatives. Find joy in the journey. Make a choice to rejoice. Which leads to my final thought. Rely on the Lord regardless of the circumstances. Paul will say this in verse 11. I'm not saying this because I'm in need. For I've learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through Him who gives me strength. Here's the difference between a joyful person and a joyless person. The joyless person can be joyful when everything in his life lines up perfectly. And that's what it takes. If everything in my life lines up perfectly, then I can be joyful. You know, when I get the right job, when I get a wife, when I get a better wife, when I, you know, uh, get the house paid off, when I get all my bills paid, when I finally retire, when everything lines up perfectly in my life, then I'll be joyful. Paul says, listen, I know what it is to have everything I need and most of what I want. And I'm going to let you in on a secret. That's not where joy comes from. Paul says, I want to be sure you understand that true joy, the joy that I'm talking about, spirit-led joy, comes from a reliance and a dependence on Jesus Christ. 
Psalm chapter 5, verse 11. But let all who take refuge in you rejoice. Let them sing joyful praises forever. Protect them so all who love your name may be filled with joy. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. You know, the Bible is full of example after example after example trying to convince us that whether you are young or old, whether you're rich or poor, whether the world says you're winning or losing, whether you're, whether you're a real somebody in the world's eyes or a real nobody in the world's eyes, none of that really matters. That we can still find that abundant life through Jesus. You all know what an oxymoron is, right? Two words that are put together that really doesn't seem like they should be put together. You know, like small crowd, pretty ugly, plant city culture. <laughs> so Look, there's the plant city row sitting right there too, right? All the way over to Martha, yeah. It's a joke. Short sermon, there you go. Yeah. Let me give you another oxymoron. Two words that never should be put together. Joyless Christian. That shouldn't even be a thing, right? It shouldn't even be... It shouldn't make any sense at all for a Christian to be joyless. And yet, you hear sermons like this, and you read passages like Philippians chapter 4, and it just makes us feel guilty. It just makes us feel like, Ben, I don't want to be joyless, but I don't have enough joy in my life. That's why we need the Spirit of God living in our lives. That's why we need to be walking in the Spirit, submitting humbly to the Spirit. You know, last week I made the comment that um, in the Scripture, uh, Jesus refers to Satan as our accuser. He also refers to Satan as a thief. The thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. And Satan would love nothing better than to steal your joy. You know, you know reason why sometimes we, we lose our joy? It's because there's a spiritual battle going on. And we don't know it. And we don't think about it. The, that Satan is trying to steal our joy. Don't let him rob you of your joy. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. No, you need to hear that. You need to hear that now. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. You need to hear that this year. And not because it's not really as bad as, you know, people are saying it is. Not because it's going to get better. Not because, you know, some good things have happened this year. Not even because God says so. We rejoice in the Lord because Jesus is Lord. You want a reason to rejoice in the Lord? Jesus is Lord. This is the year of the Lord's favor. This is the year of God's grace. We are still redeemed. We are still washed in the blood. We are still furiously convinced that neither life nor death nor pandemic, nor quarantine, nor isolation, nor masks, nor anything else in all creation 
will be able to separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. So yeah, we'll give thanks this year. Not just on Thursday. We'll give thanks in the year 2020. We'll rejoice this year. Not in spite of what's been quarantined, but because of everything that can't be quarantined. And not in spite of all the things that can't be, but because of all the things that are. And not in spite of all the things that we're missing out on, but because of all the blessings that we've been given. We'll rejoice in the Lord because we're the people of the Lord. Oh, we can do better than that. Somebody get ready to say amen. We'll rejoice in the Lord because we're the people of the Lord. There you go. There's a hand raising over here. I'm serious about it. That goes for you out there too. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let's close with a prayer. Father, you've created us in your image. You've blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ. You've claimed us as your children. Through the blood of your Son, you've removed our sin and our transgression. You've granted us a place in the kingdom and a seat at the table. So, Father, would you forgive us when we complain and when we doubt and when we question your faithfulness? Would you grant us a greater measure of your Spirit? Help us to make the choice to rejoice. Help us to rejoice in the Lord because Jesus is Lord. And it's His name that I pray. Amen. Dave's going to come lead us in a song to get our hearts and our minds prepared for the Lord's Supper.